and I went up and down a few aisles and couldn't find them. And eventually I fell over somebody more or less who was uh, sort of crouching down in an aisle uh, stacking some shelves. And I said to him, oh, hello, can you, can you direct me to the sat-navs, please? And then I said, that's ironic, isn't it, needing directions to the sat-navs? <laughs> so what I'd done was I had fed him the perfect opportunity to have a nice chat with me. I'd, I'd sent all the signals out there that I was up for a bit of a chat, that I had a bit of a sense of humour. What a great opportunity to give me a great customer experience. Do you know what he did, Clive? Welcome to the Get Real About Business podcast, where we uncover the real deal on what it takes to start and grow a business fast. It's all about earning the right where we work hard today so we can reap the reward tomorrow. Prepare for some hot tips today. I'll be your host, Clive Maloney. Hey, hey, welcome back. I'm Clive Maloney and this is episode 38 of the Get Real About Business podcast. Today, you meet my friend, past work colleague and fellow trainer, Rebecca Wynn. And to give you a bit of a teaser about what today's episode is about, let me ask you, what do you think is the worst job that you could possibly do? I'm sure you've probably got a lot of things in your mind right now. Maybe working at a funeral home, in the sewers or somewhere like that. I'm sure there's some really atrocious things out there. But one of the places I always thought I never wanted to work in is a complaints handling centre. Rebecca spent seven years working in a complaints handling centre. And I know these things need to exist, but I never thought I would meet someone who worked in a complaints handling centre who was so positive about doing so. I just always had this impression that that kind of job would wear you down day after day. But Rebecca really sees things very differently. And today I brought her on to talk to you about some of the things that she's learned there around what most people are now calling customer experience. It used to be called customer service, but as Rebecca rightly points out, it's probably a bit of a dated term now because I think that people think about it differently. But actually, it's this different point of view, it's this different perspective that has helped Rebecca be an exceptional complaints handling person and also an exceptional trainer. So if you've ever had a client who's unhappy for one reason or the other, whether you think they have a right to be or not, what would be really great is to know how you can turn an unhappy customer into a raving fan, into somebody who is so positive about you, they want to go and share their experience and become an advocate for your business. In fact, Rebecca today shares an experience that she had many years ago where a simple piece of customer service turned her into an advocate for that company for many, many years. So today is a really good one for you. I think you're going to find this really useful. We're looking at the three customer needs that all of your clients have, particularly those who are unhappy or having a difficult time right now. And if you don't fulfill each one of these needs, then your customer is going to remain unhappy and probably tell their friends about it too. This is a brilliant interview today. Let's jump in. Here is me talking with Rebecca Wynn. Rebecca, I'm so pleased that you're here today. It seems like it's ages since we talked to each other. And it's great to have you here today because you are an expert on customer service. And so far on the podcast, we haven't had much chance to talk about customer service, customer experience, and really 
I suppose what this is all about is retaining customers and getting more from our existing customer base. So thank you for being here. Oh, what a pleasure. Thank you for asking me along, Clive. We've known each other a long time, haven't we? So uh, we've talked about this stuff a great deal and it's uh, (laughs) always of interest. (laughs) (laughs) So for those people who don't know you, do you want to give us a bit of a background as to, you know, where you've come from with customer service and, and what your experiences here? Absolutely. Well, um, as you know, I've got a very strong background in customer service. I guess it started for me um, really engaging with customers way back in the 80s. Remember those? Uh, (laughs) Way back in the 80s when I was in financial services and I went through a lot of different customer roles um, with one particular company. Um, But I wound up as a complaint handler. And although most companies don't like to admit they have complaints, Um, sometimes they do happen sometimes things go wrong sometimes your customers think things go wrong and actually to to get into that element of customer service is quite a privilege Um, in a strange sort of way I really enjoyed my six and three quarters years um, being a complaint handler It, it it was one of the jobs of customer service where people really turn around and thank you for sorting something out for them um, and, and that was a side of things I did enjoy. Um, so that, that's where um, a lot of the work I do now is informed from. Um, a lot of the people that come to me for help with their customer service delivery, often the starting point is about um, that they have been receiving complaints and what could they do to either handle those better or better still, avoid them to start with. Because if you get it right up front, um, people have no reason to come to you feeling unhappy about anything. So that that was a a highly informative part of my career. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing is, you're quite right. This is a privileged position to be involved in where things go wrong. Because in any business, and before we come to the podcast here, we were just talking about Mm -hmm. the fact that uh, I just had some hospital treatment. um, And the first day that I went in, there were some things that went wrong and that wasn't a great experience, but over the next four or five days, they were absolutely brilliant. And so the thing is, it's how you respond to things when things go wrong. That is the real test of a business. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. And uh, I think another thing we don't always appreciate is that we all have customers and right across the uh, all the different sectors that your listeners might be working in or have worked in, we don't always call them customers necessarily. I, I suspect uh, most most people that your, um, your business deals with and mine does have customers. Yeah. Sometimes we call them things like students or patients or um, service users or volunteers. Sometimes they can even be our colleagues, but it's a, it's a, a relationship um, in which we're delivering a service. And I think that the term customer is not as exclusive as we might think. Um, customers come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, all sorts of need levels, um, and with many, many different names for them. We just call them customer as a, a handy shorthand. Yes. Look after. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And where we used to work, we used to be in local government when we worked together mm. many, many moons That's ago. Right. And our customers were internal, weren't they? 
Absolutely, largely, yes. I'll, I'll pass all the members of the public, of course, who, who lived in our county. Yes. So I would say they're our customers. I think that the suppliers are our customers in a different sort of context. Absolutely. But where you and I work, Clive, in the, um, the people development side of it, um, our customers were, I guess, the people who attended the training events we ran. So that was a very particular type of customer that we had there. Yeah, absolutely. Beyond the obvious... If we think about customer service, oh. why is it so important that we get this right? You know, I think it is the differentiator. I think for um, an awful lot of smaller businesses, startups, um, sole, solopreneurs, the, the whole deal, it can be quite difficult for us sometimes to compete on things like price or availability, uh, some of the infrastructure that supports huge organizations. We can't compete with that. But where we as small business owners can really come up trumps, a lot of the time our differentiator is the relationship that we have with our customers. Yeah. Um, that's where we can really shine. And I think we can be much lighter on our feet about that than a lot of huge organizations perhaps can. So what an opportunity. You know, we need to grab that. We need to be saying this is the thing we're brilliant about we're enthusiastic we're passionate we love this stuff come and join us come and experience our customer service it's more than just um, providing a product or a service at a particular price or a quality or on time all of those things are important of course they are but I think that customer service the the way you you help your customers to feel is so so key and it's available for all of us whatever kind of business we're in yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my clients recently who was a oh, photographer. Yeah. And we were talking about the whole thing is an experience. Absolutely. It, it's not just the photos that you produce or the websites that you produce or whatever it is that you do. Yeah. The whole thing is an experience. Yes, could not agree more. Where do you think people go wrong with this most? <laughs> um, I, I think most people don't do a bad job with their customer service, their customer experience. I think... Um, Probably most of the time you deal with people who are sort of relatively polite. I think a lot of the time, however, it can be quite unspecial. It can, you know, I always notice when I've had customer service that has been brilliant. And uh, I use Twitter quite a lot. And I will always go on and compliment uh, an organization if they've given me a really great bit of customer service. But very often I find myself thinking, why is this even worthy of note? Why is this not the normal experience that I have when I deal with a shop, um, a, an online shop, um, a service that I've engaged with somewhere? And it does seem that the exceptional ones shouldn't really be exceptional. It should be what happens all the time. But sadly, it doesn't, does it? And we've all had those experiences. <laughs> no, absolutely. We walk out, we feel so cross and frustrated. Oh, totally, totally. Should, should I tell them about my satnav, Clive? I know you've heard this story a lot this of story. time. <laughs> <laughs> true story and it just illustrates the point so well it goes back oh three or four years now I guess um, to the time when I, I needed to replace my old sat nav um, so I decided to go to quite a large very well-known retailer of all things computer related and I won't give their name because I think they have improved a lot but I did go into a rather large nameless store on a very wet um, probably a Wednesday afternoon I think is how I remember it uh -huh. 
and I toddled into the, the, the sliding doors and there was not a soul in there apart from a small knot of staff very bored in the corner. So I walked in and they ignored me and I thought, I'll go up and down the aisles and, and find the sat-navs that I'm after. And I went up and down a few aisles and couldn't find them. And eventually I fell over somebody more or less who was uh, sort of crouching down in an aisle uh, stacking some shelves. And I said to him, oh, hello, can you, can you direct me to the sat-navs, please? And then I said, that's ironic, isn't it, needing directions to the sat-navs? <laughs> so what I'd done was I had fed him the perfect opportunity to have a nice chat with me. I'd, I'd sent all the signals out there that I was up for a bit of a chat, that I had a bit of a sense of humour. What a great opportunity to give me a great customer experience. Do you know what he did, Clive? Well, I know you do. Yeah, he kind of half stood up. And he pointed across the shop and he said, yeah, they're over there. And then he got down and carried on with his, his uh, shelf stacking. Mm. And, do you know, I, I was um, a bit kind of taken aback by that, a little wounded. He hadn't laughed at my terrible joke as well. <laughs> but I, I kind of followed over to the direction he pointed in. And I stood in front of this range of sat-navs. And, you know, what they had there was the product I needed uh, at the price I needed, um, it was available right here and now. I'm sure it was a great product and all the rest of it. And uh, I, I just stood there and thought, I don't want to give you my money now. Mm. And that's the danger and that's what the differential is. So instead of buying that um, object there and then, which would have suited me very well, I walked out the shop and I actually drove 20 minutes to another retail outlet. And How much is that? <laughs> yeah, uh, do you know what's interesting to me about that story? And, and thank oh. you for sharing that. I love that story. By the sound of it, he didn't do anything majorly wrong. No. You know, he, it's not like he swore at you or anything like no. that. No. But it's no. the fact that he didn't connect made you feel that you wasn't valuable as a customer. Absolutely. And that, I think, is where it comes in. And, and this, I think, is the, the differentiator that we can have Whatever the size of our business, whoever our customers are, whatever we like to call our customers, that's the difference we can make is to help them to feel really well. Three things, really. I, I've got a little model here about um, customer experience. I think there are three things that our customers need to have from us every single time. And I think one of those is that they have to feel like we've properly understood them and what they want and for me on that occasion it wasn't just the, the understanding that I needed a sat nav it was also the understanding that I wanted a bit of a, an exchange with somebody on a wet miserable Wednesday afternoon I wanted him to understand that I was up for a nice conversation that sounds a bit needy and a bit daft and a bit crazy perhaps but when we understand the emotional need of our customer as well, that, that's a huge place to start there. And we do that by really observing them and listening to them, don't we? We do, we do. And, and what we have to remember as, as well in, in some settings is that people might be in a place where perhaps they're a little uncomfortable themselves. Yeah. Um, and you know, perhaps they're making a, a purchase of something that they're not confident about. Oh yes. Or, you, you know, they need help. They've come to you and you're a service provider. They need help with something, and there's some anxiety there. And because of that, that can make them perhaps you, I mean, you use the word needy, but you know, perhaps mm. we want something beyond just the transaction itself. 
quite so. I think uh, uh, we all get quite used to the idea that um, buying a lot of things these days should be an experience as such, don't we? We, you know, we, we yeah. love the whole John Lewis experience when we go in there and we've got a beautiful shiny store and we know their staff are well trained. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why a lot of people go leisure shopping. Um, because that's that's a very obvious form of, of customer service and satisfaction and all of those things and you acquire something nice at the end of it but the fact of it is a lot of the um, the, the services that we're providing in, in businesses like ours is, is problem solving and people come to us because they've got something not particularly lovely a problem that they want to have solved if you're a plumber it's uh, you know somebody's got a leaky tap that they need fixed that's not a lovely thing to have to go and seek help with but you want someone to come along and do that who is chirpy and cheerful and capable who's happy to to listen to you when you you talk about the destruction of your kitchen floor by this leak and all the rest of it that's the added value you don't just come along and fix a leaky tap you come along and you have a, a conversation over a cup of tea and talk to them about you know what 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 else you could be able to help them with and everything else so it, it's understanding the whole piece the emotional bit also understanding the questions they haven't asked you and i think if we listen well we hear other things that people need to have that they don't even know that the little extra bits of helpful information we could offer to them it's not about cross-selling upselling sometimes that might happen but very often it's about referring them to somebody else who could help them solve their problem a little more uh, and I think people really appreciate that side of it when we're really listening we really understand we get how to tick all of those emotional need boxes as well and we can do that whatever our business you know however happy or sad or um, niche our business might be it's understanding who our customers is. And I do think that ticking the understanding box is absolutely the first part of the equation to, to create a great customer experience and a great customer relationship. That's really interesting because you bring in two things there. And, and obviously this is the first of three founding principles that we can talk about today. And this is about understanding. And you're saying it's about understanding who they are and what they need, yes. their emotional needs. And yes. you're also saying understand what they don't know yes absolutely they're unasked questions what do you reckon they need to know that they don't know they need to know <laughs> we're getting a bit inside ourselves here but it's absolutely uh, it is key to do that to to be able to engage with what else is going on there so how will we know this how, how will we know that unanswered questions there are unanswered questions that comes largely i think from us being so very much an expert in our own field that um, we can perhaps um, understand a little more of where they're coming from um, not to assume that every customer is the same they will not be they most emphatically will not they don't tend to fit uh, box after box of identikit customers um, but if you've had a certain situation come up you'll very often find um, that that will be replicated further on down the line and something that helped customer a you may be able to suggest as a help to customer h or customer y further down the alphabet so it's about constantly engaging and being curious and and uh, listening to their needs observing what it is they say 
all of those things. It, it's absolutely about the paying attention. Clive, you're a coach, same as me. You know, you know the value of listening to people and you know that if they're in front of you, you listen as much with your eyes as your ears and you absolutely listen with your brain and your heart. Absolutely. And every time we, we are interacting with a customer, even if we can't physically see them, we have to be able to hear that all coming down the phone line or you know through an email whatever it is it's so funny the amount of times when um as a coach i'll reflect things back to them and this is yeah. this could be done in any setting coaching or otherwise you just because you've paid attention and you reflect things back to them and ask insightful questions people feel that you've really paid attention to them and you really understand them and it's just about listening absolutely i could not agree more i think i think that's that's a huge part isn't it yeah. And I do think that once once you've got your customers feeling understood, and note I say to feel understood, not to be understood, we can understand them, but they don't know that. So it is about them actually feeling understood, and that can be reflecting back, that can be asking questions. But once we've, we've, we've helped them to feel that, that we understand what their need as our customer is, I think the next part of the equation is how do we help them to feel really, really valued? Now you think back to that that chap at that particular computer store. Um, did I feel understood? No. Did I feel remotely valued? No. Uh, two two big boxes not ticked there. You know, I mean, I will I will reflect back to you. What do you think um, helps us to feel valued when we're in a customer situation? When we are the customer, how does a really expert professional person help us to feel really valued? What would you say? Well, I think the thing that comes to mind straight away for me is is time. Just to yeah. take take a little bit of time to look somebody you know in the eye and hold their attention, have a proper conversation. Um, you know, don't just give them the first answer um, and just show that you're interested in them. So I think if you if you give them a bit of time, show some curiosity in them or what they want. Yeah. I, I think that is that a good start. That is such a beautiful response. It totally is. Like the whole curiosity piece, the whole, um, it's, it's about sort of being present with people, isn't it? Mm. You know, how often have you you've been, uh, retail outlets are an easy way to go, restaurants, cafes, shops. How many times have you perhaps taken something up to a till to pay it and the person on the till hasn't looked at you once? And that's happened to me. Yeah. All I need sometimes is for them just to look up at me and to say hello, and that's fine. Now, some um, retail outlets have really tweaked this, and they're very good, and there are certain supermarkets you go into uh, where you can tell they have been trained to look at the customer, say hello, and then ask about having your shopping packed, whatever it is. They've worked it out, but there's an awful lot of other places you will go where this is not the routine at all, and it's down to the emotional intelligence of the person sitting in that chair at that time to work out that that's what their customer in front of them needs mm. in order to feel valued. And, and, and it's interesting you bring that up, Rebecca, mm. because the thing that comes to mind for me is hearts, hands and voices. Mm. Sometimes we know the thing to say. You know, I've been in shops before when they've they said, kind of pack your bags, whatever. Yeah. Um, they've, they've offered the right things, but perhaps they didn't look me you know, in the eye or whatever, yeah. and you know, perhaps <laughs> no smile. I think it's all got to be in sync, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It has, absolutely. And you could do the whole looking in the eye thing and you could still then say, can I help you? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you <know what? laughs> Your voice says no. <laughs> That's my answer to you. I don't think you probably want to really, is how that comes across. 
so we have to do the whole piece don't we the the visual if we're visually in front of them um, we have to look right we have to carry ourselves right we have to look them in the eye we have to be fully there for them voice words all of those things they all go to feed into that whole feeling understood feeling valued um, they're, they're easy to do but they can take a little bit of practice sometimes and we all have to work out how do we put ourselves into that role of that person being the professional at that particular point in time you know we, we're, we're playing a role all day long really aren't we so yeah. sometimes um, sometimes you pull out bits of your personality that are appropriate with playing with small children or going to a party or going for a job interview and sometimes we just have to pull out the bits of our personality that are appropriate to providing a fantastic customer experience to the person in front of us there so we we need to work out what those elements are right okay so the second founding point to this is customer feeling valued have you got any hot tips or some great examples about how you can make somebody feel especially valued i tell you what i'll tell you what i'll take you to the second half of my sat nav story and tell you and tell you what happened next because it is actually a very good example of this you remember i i left this this rather bleak shop on a rainy wednesday afternoon and i did drive about 20 minutes and i will tell you now where i drove to because um they're, they're a great um shop on several occasions i actually went to halfords at freeport braintree so if anybody wants to go to halfords at freeport braintree see if a young guy called luke is still there working behind the counter because he was the person that restored my faith in salespeople for sat navs (laughs) (laughs) because when i walked into his shop not by now expecting very much um, there was just him in there and I went over to the counter where he was wrapping a very odd shaped parcel in brown paper and I said to him are you, are you too busy to come and help me look for a sat nav and he instantly said of course I'm not be my pleasure and he put this parcel to one side and he said come with me we've got some over here and he talked me through all the options asked me what I needed it for you know what whether I was going to Europe and all of those sorts of things he um, asked me what price I wanted he listened beautifully to what I had to say and so I came away feeling completely understood also completely valued we had a lovely chat Um, I asked him what uh, incidentally what the parcel was he was wrapping that was such a strange shape and apparently it was a um, a a bike saddle so we had a bit of a laugh about that we went (laughs) off on one about um, sticky tape and how it isn't we we had such a lovely chat and I think that the difference is there that um if I had gone in just needing to be really quick and to buy something really quickly I believe that young man would have had the intelligence to know that I didn't want a long social chat the thing was he switched into that mode because I gave him that opportunity but I think he could have been just as efficient and quick for somebody who had a different set of needs so that's why I say I felt understood I I was up for a bit of a laugh on a wet Wednesday and we had a time so and I came away with my sat nav so yeah young Luke at Halfords he really helped me to feel understood also valued so he he ticked those two boxes for me completely and so part of that was around addressing your obviously he understood you Mm -hmm. and what your needs were and then he addressed those needs and what was interesting is that if you go to some of these types of shops sometimes Mm -hmm. you have sales representatives there who don't really know their products 
Oh, yes. Because yes. obviously they're dealing with so many different products. So, you know, I imagine it is a challenge, but mm. it's so essential, whatever you do, that you must know your product. Would you agree? I completely agree with that. And I, I would think that um, by and large, your audience, Clive, probably um, do because it, it'll be largely uh, businesses that we've created from scratch according to our passions and what we've worked out there is a market for and all the rest of it. Uh, but yes, you know, when we get to the stage, if we start taking on staff um, to represent our brand in front of the general public, we really need to focus on how they um, train them in, in the whole customer service, the customer experience world, because that will be the door that they open to bring customers in but then you come around of course to, to recommendations and referrals and and repeat business and all of those things uh, and that's the easiest way to get business in isn't it is to just give people a great experience so they keep coming back absolutely so. absolutely we you know we want people to stay with us as long as possible so you said there was three things. The first one is about being understood. The second one is about being valued. What's the third one? The third one, now you know, this, this little three, three needs model is something I read. I can't even remember where it was. It was a book or an article such a lot of years ago. But I do remember that the third, um, uh, the third need that they named at the time, they called it to feel comforted. And I didn't think that sat terribly well with a UK audience. So I've changed that a little bit. And I would say it's about people going away feeling reassured. Mm. Now, what, what do people need to feel reassured out? I hear you asking <laughs> loud and clear. Um, it's about having confidence in the service or the product you've just bought, isn't it? It's about feeling that you haven't been ripped off. It's about feeling reassured that the person you spoke with was as you've just said Clive knowledgeable and has integrity and has my best interests at heart that they have understood that word again they've understood my needs properly they've come up with all the suggestions I need to be able to address that and that I am going to have solved the problem I presented them with. My problem when I went sat-nav shopping was I couldn't find my way around Swindon. So that was the problem I needed um, solved when I went to walk by my sat-nav. So I came away really reassured by young Luke at Halfords that I was coming away. By the way, I'm not getting paid commission for mentioning Halfords. I, I have quickies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should. <laughs> Maybe I should, shouldn't I? I've told this story a lot of times over the years. <laughs> But, um, um, you know, I came away feeling really reassured that I had the right product. I felt that um, uh, I could take it back to the shop if it wasn't right, that, that I would have a sympathetic hearing. And also that, you, you see, this is how it works, that the little beautiful little pouch that he sold me because he was able to upsell off the back of being a good listener and a good advisor, he upsold me a nice little, little pouch to carry it around in. So I'm reassured that that's going to keep it safe. So he found a need I didn't even know I had and sold it me. And that's that's the beauty of really great customer service. You wind up, people will buy more from you than probably they even thought they would if you're helping them genuinely to solve their problem. Yeah, and I think it comes back to the fact that we spend money when we're happy. Don't we just? Yeah, yeah. Even if, funnily enough, it's something we didn't particularly want to spend money on, like the leaky tap or whatever, you know, having the car repaired and all the rest of it. We resent it a lot less if we have a good experience when we go to those people and you know if we have a great plumber or a great car mechanic or whatever that service is an emergency service if you like we are much much happier 
to go back to them again and uh, possibly even put extra business their way that we didn't really want to give them at all. Nobody likes spending their money, do they? But no. we do like to spend it on people and things that, that uh, give us something back. It's a reciprocal pleasure, isn't it, to deal with a really great company. Um, so no, that's a really good point, actually, Guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you have a couple of hot tips for us for helping people feel reassured? Um, I think always to make very clear that the door is open. Should they have any questions about what it is they've just bought, be it a service, be it a product, be it an experience, uh, that they've always got an open door to come back. That That's something that um, I think I largely picked up from my complaint handling days is that, yes, you do want to close off that case and for people to disappear and have a wonderful life. But on the other hand, if they do need to come back with something else, that they are always welcome to do so, that they are not a nuisance. Um, you know, we, we think about um, sometimes what we, we tend to term them difficult customers, don't we? Uh, a lot of the training I do is about what people come to me and say they're difficult customers. I always think actually they're not really. No. Um, the way I, I changed my view on this in order to survive almost seven years of talking to difficult people, if you like, is to think they're actually just a person with a difficulty. Um, you and I, we are lovely people, Clive, but we still have the capacity to get furious about things from time yeah. to time or to yeah. feel disappointed or let down. And we are quite right to take those issues back to a company if, if we feel there hasn't been a good case. Indeed, when we finish speaking today, I will be talking to somebody <laughs> about something very similar, <laughs> a bank I will be phoning next. Oh. <laughs> and I have every right to, to say to them, I'm disappointed in an aspect of their service. I won't be nasty about it, no. but I will be a customer who has a disappointment I won't be a difficult customer. And I do think that, uh, you know, to help people feel reassured, if we can flick our approach about people so that our customers are not a nuisance, you know, they're not an interruption to our busy day, which is sometimes how you're made to feel when you, you go into somewhere like that first shop I mentioned with the sat-nav. You know, I, I'm not an interruption to someone's busy day. I'm the reason they have a day. Exactly. When I come to work, I am what they're there for, and I have every right to expect a great level of service and and to turn that into a good experience. So yes, being reassured when I I walk out of there again, or put the phone down, or finish that live chat, to feel reassured that I've got everything I needed, that I enjoyed the experience. That's how you tick box number three. They they all follow each other on, and and I, I just it's a great little model, isn't it? You know, I've, I've tried over the years to sort of disprove the, the, the feeling understood, the feeling valued, the feeling reassured. I've, I've tried to disprove that to myself and I can't. Whenever no. I, I, I just, I just can't. And I, I challenge learning groups that I'm working with, you know, anything you'd add to that? And actually people say, no, not really. That kind of covers it. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I think it does. There's nothing I could add to it. I mean, I've seen other models and saying things in different ways, but I think that that's, that's a lot of beauty and the simplicity of it. Yes. Um, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite neat and sneaky. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of neat models. They always seem a bit glib, you know, like somebody's tried to think up something great to sell a book off the back of and all the rest of it. But for me, this one, it really works. And I think if any one of those things is missing, um, it does explain why people don't come back to your business. I think it does explain why um, people do get 
ratty and shirty with customer services, you know, helplines and all the rest of it. Um, I think if you can consistently tick those boxes, you are onto a winner. Sure, sure. Now, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about, Rebecca, I think mm. it's really important is this whole thing about customer service versus customer experience. Yeah. I think you've covered some of that already, but I kind of want to dig into it a little bit more. Sure. Before we get into that, obviously, some people are going to want to get hold of you. They're going to want to mm-hmm. talk to you. I'm sure they will. And um, who would? Um, how do people <laughs> get hold of you, Rebecca? Well, they, they can ask me via your page, Get Real About Business. That's always a great place to go, isn't it? But, <laughs> uh, but otherwise, if they want to get in touch, I'm on Twitter at, at WinThinking. I'm sure the reference will be up at the end. Uh, yeah. I have a website, which is winthinking.co.uk. Um, there's all sorts of contact details on there. I'm based in Suffolk, but, um, you know, talk to me wherever you're from. <laughs> it would be a pleasure. <laughs> what i'll do rebecca is i'll make sure we get all the links on the show notes page i'll mention that at the end of the the podcast here today and we'll get the links there and uh, you know hopefully people will reach out and connect with you great stuff and do mention that you've come via clive because that that you know that's great for clive to know that's where you've come from it is it is yes yes (laughs) do do that do that um so i'm going to come back to this thing about customer service versus, uh, versus customer experience the view i get is that customer service is is very reactive Yes. Customer experience is more proactive. But I wonder if you could talk us a little bit about that. Yes, you're right. And possibly customer service has become a bit of an old fashioned term now, hasn't it? So, uh, you know, it's it's quite 80s, 90s, really. And we do talk much more now about customer experience. I think that makes it a much more multi-sensory thing. I think we live in a much more multi-sensory business world now um you know all those those years ago when i was complaint handling people haven't changed but the medium by which they contact us have whichever way they come at us we need to be able to give them a great experience so that can be whether they walk in through the door whether we visit them at their premises and they're they're fully there in front of us in all their glory or whether they still phone i don't think the phone is dead for a long time yet whether they're on social media whether they're um, live chatting with us online all of those things are really coming through and we can't really afford to ignore any of those channels these days so um, you know, if we're, if we're wanting to make a really great experience all round, it is about, um, okay, if you don't have um, the means to physically smile at someone, you know, they're, they're on the end of a phone, they're on the end of a keyboard, how do you help them to feel that you are smiling in a friendly way at them if those things are not there? It's quite a challenge, isn't it? Um, you know, to help people feel that warmth of welcome that they would have had if they'd walked in and you'd shaken their hand. How we do that in a, in a world that's much more single channel, just through a keyboard, for example. I think one of the things we can do is use our words very well. Um, I, I've, we've talked about this many times off and on, haven't we? I'm, yeah. a, I'm a great fan of, of positive language for things. I think you can help people feel fully understood, valued and reassured by being very careful about the words you choose to say. Um, Turning things into a positive. So for example, something simple here. Um, Years and years ago, I was in a call queue and it was a very long call queue. It was actually for a cinema. Eventually, after getting quite impatient, waiting for, for many multiples of five minutes, on the other end of the phone came a young, bright female voice that said, Thank you for calling such and such cinema uh, and thank you for your patience. How can I help? 
And you know, the minute she said, thank you for your patience, yes. all the irritation I had had at being kept waiting, it was probably, it was over half an hour, I think. Um, just dispelled and all of a sudden you feel obligated to be nice back to that person don't you because they've been so nice to you <laughs> Absolutely. that's the the equivalent of of somebody opening the door and smiling and saying thank you for being so patient you come on in and it was only in my ear it wasn't physically in front of me but it felt as good so I'm a great believer in things like thanking people for things rather than just saying sorry all the time you know how different is sorry to keep you as opposed to thank you for your patience which would you rather have, Clive? Because I, I like the positive one. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for your patience. And the thing is, with that yeah. statement there, it assumes that you have been patient. And yes. so for you then to be rude and, <laughs> and get, yeah. have a rant, you're almost saying, well, actually, no, I'm not that kind of person who has yeah. those, those high standards. Yeah. I think if we expect the best of our customers, very often we will get the best out of them. Yeah. And I, I think we have to do that with, with, when we are the customer, we like to expect the best of companies that we go to. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes reputation or news stories or previous experiences lead us to believe it's all going to be a problem. And, you know, sometimes if people come to us with a problem to be solved, it, it may, they may sound a bit bolshy up front. And that could well be because all their expectation of what you're going to do for them is this is going to be a problem. This business is going to resist in some way. They're going to make this difficult for me. You can tell it in the voices of some people. Yeah. And it's really quite refreshing when you have someone who just says, yeah, of course I can help you with that. It'd be my pleasure. Now tell me what it is you're after. And what you make is a, a brilliant opening experience for them. And I do think, you know, if you, if you get the front end of any conversation right, that sets the tone thereafter. If you have somebody really miserable picking up the phone to you and saying, oh, such and such company, how can I help? It's really all downhill from there, isn't it? <laughs> Whereas if you get somebody with a bright, breezy welcome, how lovely is that? It is, absolutely. And it starts with us. It starts with how we perceive the customer and how we manage our own state. Oh, absolutely. An awful lot of, uh, of the psychology of it comes in here, doesn't it? You know, uh, using positive language helps us to feel more positive. We come across as more positive. We elicit a more positive response from our customer, the other person we're talking to. Do you know, there's a brilliant bit of um, research out there. If, if anybody would like a link to it, do let me know. Um, there was a fascinating bit of research done on people in a, an MRI scanner, you know, a brain scanner. Yeah. And uh, they found that if you have the word no flashed up for less than one second, there's a whole release of, of, of stress producing hormones out there. It, it triggers our fight or flight response. <laughs> and we're instantly on the defensive when we hear no. So when we hear the language of positive, it helps us to feel more like we want to do something. We want to be helpful. We want to comply. We, we take no as a threat and we shut down and we get defensive or we, we become combative. It's not helpful. You know, people who are shut down will never hear what it is you're offering them. They will never be receptive to that. It's, it's so fascinating, that whole thing. You, you know, if you've ever asked a child to carry a glass of water somewhere, <laughs> you've done this, you say to them, That's now, fill it, don't drop it. But they do. <laughs> exactly. If you say to them instead, you know, carry that really carefully, well done, they probably won't drop it. 
we, 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 we find it difficult to process negatives in a positive way, don't we? Exactly. And that's why in some schools they're now saying instead of stop running or don't run, they say yeah. thank you for walking. Yes, walk slowly down the corridor. That's right. Yes. It's a positive request, isn't it? Rather than a, a don't do. We don't do don't do very well. <laughs> exactly. And it's interesting because the last time we spoke, you mentioned mm-hmm. this or, uh, and you picked me up on something that I say, which uh-huh. is no problem. Yes, that's no, see, no problem. I have interesting conversations with people about that. You and I are Essex boys and girls, aren't we, Clive? And, and we yeah. say no problem an awful lot because it's very much in the Essex lingo and in, in other parts of the country as well. But yeah. actually, when you break it down, no is a negative word. Problem has negative connotations. Yeah. And although in science, two negatives make a positive and in maths, two negatives make a positive, I, I suppose it adds up to a positive helpful thing to say but do you know there's there's really powerful research out there and again ask ask me if you want um, links to all of this stuff um, if you're listening in um, if we instead say no problem when somebody asks us something if instead we say certainly that is so much better received on a really subtle um, sort of brain level a neurological level we accept that as a positive much more readily than a no problem I still say no problem, but I, I do. No problem, no, no problem, no worries. No Definitely. worries, no problem, oh, mate. It, <laughs> it was that song that you know, don't worry, be happy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, that song is so wrong now, isn't it? Have <laughs> <laughs> to rewrite it. Will you tell them all? I <laughs> yeah. um, listen. That sounds really interesting. Um, if if we can get the link from you uh what mm-hmm. i'll do is i'll put it up in the show notes would that be okay yeah, yeah i'll write that down that'd be brilliant yeah excellent, excellent. link to the research Re- rebecca thank you so much for being here today um really value it for my dear listeners who are listening to this today um just go back and reflect on this how well are you doing these three things this triad of things that we need to have right to give a great customer experience do you fully understand your customers do you demonstrate that you understand your customers because it's not about you it's about them as as rebecca said it's about them feeling understood are you helping them to feel valued and are you helping them to feel reassured about the decision they've had or the purchase they've made isn't she just a ray of sunshine every time i speak to rebecca she makes me smile so so positive So I'm sure you can imagine how effective she was as a complaints handler. And of course, she's an amazing trainer as well. Now, Rebecca has been really helpful. She's given me the links to the Psychology Today article that she referred to in the interview there. And she's also given me some links to some other research that if you want to find out more about this, then you really want to check that out. So do make sure that you go to the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 38. And we've got all the links there, as well as links to Rebecca, so you can go and follow her and and tell her where you're at. Or, of course, you can come to my Facebook group called Earning the Right. And that's my free group for everybody in this community. Come and tell us what you thought of the episode. Tell us what your experiences are with customer service. Is customer service something that you pride yourself on? Is it something that you use to separate yourself out from all the other competition? Or do you think it's all about the transaction? Either way, whatever you thought today, whatever your comments, do come and join us on Earning the Right. Links are in the show notes page at getrealaboutbusiness.com forward slash 38. That's all we've got time for today. 
Thank you for being here and taking the time to listen to myself and my guest. We'll be back next time with more tips on growing your business. Until then, here's to you and your highly successful business.